Welcome to Equipus Christchurch. Equipus Church is a whole lot of friends championing one another to go higher in Christ. For more details, check out our website at equipuschurch.com forward slash Christchurch. Hey, uh, a quick life update. You're like, yeah, of course, John, right? We're preaching. We need to hear about what's happening. This does make sense to the message, I promise. I'm not just padding, right? There is sometimes that bit, eh, where you haven't prepped enough. And so you're like, ah, oh. and let me tell you another story. Like, what does it have to do? Nothing. It just, I felt like people would feel disappointed if the sermon was only five minutes. That's not true. I've got plenty. Uh, but, but a quick life update. Since, since I, I last spoke, we had a few changes uh, in our household. We found out that we had to move house, uh, which who enjoys moving house? Yeah, not so much, right? I, I read an article this week. Uh, there's there's some, some felt experience on the front row. Uh, I read an article this week that three of the most stressful experiences in life are divorce, losing a loved one, uh, and moving house. And when I reflected on that, I was actually quite happy to, of the three, to select move house. I was like, yeah, of the three, I, I do prefer that option. Uh, but it, it's an interesting moment, right? And, and so as we were kind of reflecting on this and, and, and as we found out, uh, I, I kind of went into problem-solving mode. And, and it was a bit of a stressful moment because uh, some of you might know we've got Oliver who's four turning five next year and so we kind of had schools lined up and all of a sudden we we're like oh man are we going to be in a different school zone and, and just that feeling of all of the things that felt certain all of a sudden feel uh, up in the air. So, so I think fair to say it's been for us uh, a tumultuous few weeks and so on the back of a tumultuous few weeks today I'd like to speak about peace because why not right? I'd like to speak about peace. As we look at this idea of what works, in fact, I want to suggest peace works. If you have your Bibles, why don't you turn with me to, to 1 Peter chapter 5. I'm going to read verses 6 to 9 in the NIV translation. Uh, it, it says this, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. Why don't you bow your heads with me and, uh, and let's, let's pray. God, I thank you for this moment as we come together. God, I thank you that every time we look at your word that, that you speak, that you have something new to, to bring to us, that you have something new to encourage us with. God, I pray today that it would not be my ideas, it would not be my words, but, but that you would speak, that you would meet us where we are, but that we would leave different. We would leave having encountered you, the risen and true God, a God who, who as it says here in First Peter, who cares for us. God, that today we would encounter your love and your care in a new, in a transformative way in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, now, I think we'd all agree, it's, it's all well and good to say peace works, isn't it? Like, I don't, I don't think, just doing a quick read of the room, making sure there's no one, yeah, no, there's no one here, I think, who's like, if I would say peace works, is like, uh, no, right? Like, I am anti-peace. I think peace is, I, I don't like peace. I don't think that, that peace works. I think we all agree that peace works, but I think we would also maybe say, hey, look, peace works when I can have it. Yeah, like, hey, I'm, I'm pro-peace, I'm for peace. I just have this little problem that often peace seems elusive, right? Peace works for sure, but, but I'm not really, I, I, I'm not sure that I'm always experiencing peace. What, what happens when I feel anxious? What happens when I feel worried? What happens when fear or stress or dread is maybe more of my felt experience? Peace works, but what happens when I don't feel at peace? 
I want to suggest today, maybe to speak about peace, we need to, to first look at what might be robbing us of our peace. This message, I would say peace works, but I would, I would say on the other side of that, anxiety doesn't. Right, peace works, but anxiety doesn't work. So maybe to, to start, we need to look at our, at our anxiety. In fact, in this passage in 1 Peter, where Peter is telling us, is reminding us that, that peace works, Peter describes a feeling. And, and he does it in fairly emotive language here, right? He says, cast your, your anxiety on God because he cares for you. And then he goes on, he says, and your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. There's probably not many of us here today, and again, I don't, I don't know your life, I don't know your week, but you're probably not many of us who are like, if someone was to ask you in the foyer after, how was your week? You probably wouldn't respond like, oh, just a lot of roaring lions, just, bunch of, just lions day in, day out, right? Like roaring lions, roaring lions. My mum's actually a GP, uh, and, and for a while, uh, when we were living in Wellington, uh, one, of her, one of her patients was a zookeeper. So in that case, right, occasionally she'd be like, how was your week? But oh, the lions were just really stressful this week. But other than that, other than if you're a zookeeper, which if you are, I'd like to talk to you because I think that's a very cool job and I want to ask you about a bazillion questions. Uh, but shy of that, we're not encountering roaring lions on a daily basis, yeah? But I, but I think it's interesting here. What Peter's writing to isn't, isn't just an experience, it's a, it's a feeling. Peter, though, he is writing to an experience, See, Peter, in the church that he's writing to, he's writing likely from Rome in around about 62 to 64 AD. And at this time, Nero is the, the, the Roman emperor. Nero is, is Caesar, right? And so Nero, all you need to know about him is he's not a fan of Christians. And that's a, selling it lightly, yeah? Uh, Nero is not a fan of Christians. He thinks that they undermine the empire. He thinks that, that they're a threat to the empire. And so he persecutes the church pretty heavily. He persecutes them in, in such a way that when, when Peter describes a roaring lion, his initial audience would instantly have thought of the Roman arenas. Right? We think of like the big Colosseum in Rome, but there were arenas all throughout urban Rome in which Christians were executed for treason and heresy. And one of the main forms of execution was to feed them to wild animals. Most often, if the, if the arena was fancy enough, lions. Right? And so Peter, in writing this letter, in one metaphor, he brings to the front of the mind of his readers that thing that is in the back of all of their minds. I might die for my faith. See, Peter writes to bring to mind this idea, this experience, this feeling, this dread. And again, none of us are facing lions. None of us are, are worrying about dying because of our faith, but we do all worry about something, don't we? We not, might not be facing literal lions, but, but Peter isn't actually writing to the circumstance of the church here. He's using a circumstance to speak to something much bigger, an emotional response. Peter is writing about anxiety. And so today, as we look at this idea of peace works, I want to start with the question, what do we do when the lion roars? What do we do when in life it feels like the enemy, it feels like the world, it feels like something is going on in which there is a roaring lion prowling around just looking to devour us? And again, we're not encountering lions on a day-to-day basis, but there is that feeling, that sense of dread, that sense of stress, that sense of, of anxiety. And anxiety is the result of our fight, flight, freeze system, right? And, and really, this system being activated is basically our stress system. None of us are facing real lions, but our anxiety, our stress system is just as activated as Peter's initial audience. 
maybe a helpful place, not an encouraging place, but we'll get to helpful. We'll get to help both helpful and encouraging. But maybe a, a helpful place to start is to think, what does anxiety look like? Maybe you're sitting here today, like me. Anxiety looks like me, this. I am, I am a stressed individual. Can you not tell? Jono, this is what anxiety looks like. Maybe some of us are like, I don't know. I've never been stressed a day in my life. If that is you, again, I would like to talk to you. The people I find interesting today are zookeepers and people who've never been stressed a day in their life. Uh, I want to know your secrets. But, but anxiety looks different in different people, even in different stages in life. You know, uh, I, I'm quite a thinker. And, and I find it all too easy to kind of get lost in existential thoughts. And in fact, when I was younger, I kind of developed a bit of a superpower of worrying. One of the things that I loved to worry about, it kind of developed around about intermediate. I went, it was the only time in my life that I was at a school with a uniform. And every day I would worry it was Mufti Day and I had forgotten. Because there's nothing worse, right? And so like, I'd be on my way to school and, and I'd be like, either on the bus or in the car if I managed to, to convince mum or dad to give me a ride. And I'd just be looking out my window, looking for just wanting to spot a school uniform so that I could be assured that it's all right, it's not a mufty day. Right, so I'd be looking out the window and we'd go past someone and someone is in, like someone that I recognize from my school and they're in it, like a mufty hoodie. I'm like, oh no, like today, like it, I feel, it wouldn't have been, but I feel like it would be worse to show up in uniform on a mufty day than just to show up wearing nothing, <laughs> right? Like at least nothing, I don't know, you've got like, someone's just going to assume you're very unwell or something, but like, so, so and I remember, you know, and so you'd be looking out the window and, and literally my heart would be racing in my chest until that moment that the bus or the car pulled up to school and I saw enough other people in uniform to be like, all right, it's not a mufty day. It's okay, and it, but it was my lived experience for far too long that every day my heart would rate, like I'd be fighting lions on the way to school, just worried, and the early church would have smiled at me, like really, Jono, like a uniform, but it was a felt and a real experience, and, and, and kind of from this, I developed this, this compulsion to, to try and play out every possible scenario. Like, all right, well, if it is a mufty day, what can I do? Well, maybe I can take my uniform top and I can turn it inside out and everyone will feel I'm just wearing like a normal yellow polo shirt today and it doesn't say South Wellington Intermediate School on it. Or, or I kind of, I'd assess about what could I do. I was that kid that would read to the end of the Choose Your Own Adventure books to try and figure out what was the best path before I committed to one. Because you need to make sure. I don't know if I want to turn to page 13. I need to find out where page 13 will take me and I need to read. And, and it was not a great, it's not an enjoyable way to read the book. I don't advise it. But I would, I would cloak my fear as like a search for wisdom. I just want to figure out the best thing to do. I'd, I'd hide my fears, but I'm just wanting to do the wise thing because fear is most addictive I've found in my life when it looks like wisdom. But it wasn't wisdom. It was just me looking to try and seek an unhealthy level of control, trying to make sure I thought of every possibility. But, but now for me, I don't, I don't do that anymore. I'm not, I'm not in that stage. I, I don't obsess over what ifs. Instead, I just jump straight to solutions. I'm like, we don't need to think about possible scenarios. I'm just going to solve this problem right here, right now. Most of the time, I don't even realize that I'm stressed or anxious. Right? Instead, what I do is I'm, I'm just actively thinking. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not actively thinking about what has me worried, sorry. I'm already looking to solve it. When we needed a new house, I didn't think about, oh man, what happens if we don't find the right place? Or what happens if the kids don't get into a, a school? Or what happens if every school is full and we have to homeschool them, right? Like, I don't want to do that. Uh, my brain doesn't go there anymore. Instead, I just dump straight on Trade Me. I'm like, right, between now and lunchtime, I am looking at every listing that exists on this website. I don't care where it is, right? Like, I'm looking at Invercargill. 
I mean, it didn't look an invercargill. There are some things that are just a step too far. Uh, that's, that's good southern humor, right? I'm, I'm, I'm learning. Apologies to anyone from Invercargill, but also welcome. Uh, and, and so I go and I, I start to, to look at every listing, but I, I go beyond that, right? I then make a spreadsheet. Who loves a good spreadsheet, yeah? And I start to put in every listing, and then I do this thing, it's a, it's a bit of a hack. I take the address of the house that I found on TradeMe, I put it into homes.co.nz, because you can get more information from homes.co.nz than you can from TradeMe. So I get the square meterage of the house, I get when it was built, I get the permissions on the house, and I put it into the spreadsheet, and I start to put together a pros and a cons list, right? And I'm like, right, so this is in a nice zone for a school over here, and there's this playground here, and this is going on here and I start to balance it out and I start to give things ratings because I'm solving the problem but I'm not stressed or anxious guys it's all good it's all fine I'm totally and, and, and at some stage I'm like oh, well, how, how fast is your heart meant to be <laughs> this doesn't this doesn't feel this doesn't feel healthy right like I think maybe I need to take a, a breath because I'm doing the same thing I'm trying to control no longer by thinking about all of the possibilities but by solving all of the problems I can see See, maybe we think about an anxious person as someone who's, who's maybe best described as, as a warrior, a bit shy, a bit nervous. But for many, we don't recognize that maybe we are anxious as well, that, that we're still functioning, that we seem to have it together. But it's often our body that gives us the clues. Frequent headaches, body aches, stomach issues, our heartbeat, tightness in the chest, poor sleep. These are often the first clues that you might be anxious. And maybe you're even here today and you're like, no, no, I'm good. That doesn't happen to me. You know, I'm not an anxious person. I, I have this very simple approach in life. If it makes me anxious, I just don't do it. Right, like it's a great life hack. If it makes me worried, I just, I just don't do it, right? I'm afraid of heights, so I just stay on the ground. I don't like meeting new people, so I just don't, right? And, and so we just live this life in which we only do the things that make us comfortable. We never do anything that pushes us. Our lives are essentially shaped by fear. Maybe you're here today and to speak to a, a, you know, a lived example, you're not in an e-group because that would require vulnerability. You're like, hey, look, I'm fine being a part of community, but I'm not going that far. Maybe you're here today and your life has stayed exactly the same for quite a long time because anything new is too scary. And you're like, I'm not anxious, I'm just really anxious. I'm not anxious. I just live my life in such a way that I would never feel worried, and so then I don't need to worry. I, I, I don't say this to make us feel bad, but, but I say it because I believe that God has peace for all of us. And I think for us to think that we don't need peace because we don't think that we're anxious is one of the ways in which we're not going to receive peace. Peace works, but for peace to work, maybe we first need to realize that we need peace. So today, however you experience anxiety, be it worries or hyperfixation or hyperactivity or something else, the problem, and I think we all know this, but to articulate what we're all thinking is that anxiousness, a worried state of living, it's a terrible way to be. Anxiety steals so much from us. It's, it's bad for your brain. It's bad for your body. It's bad for your relationships. To, to say it as succinctly as I can, anxiety is not a way that works. So what do we do when the lion roars? What do we do when we're, when we're feeling anxious? Today, I, I want to start by talking about three causes of, of anxiety. Like, do you want to start? It's been like 10 minutes. Don't talk about the clock. That makes me anxious, all right? Guys, come on. Please respect my triggers. I'm just joking. Right, they're, they're not long. And they're probably not the only causes, but I found in my life these are three causes of anxiety that I believe that we can learn from and we can be intentional in our approach towards because I believe that God's intent for all of us is that peace 
works. If you're taking notes today, the first cause of anxiety that I believe that we can confront, we can be aware of in our lives is independence. Oh, by the way, right, when the lion roars, when I think of scary lions, of course, I think of Scar from The Lion King. And I was feeling when I was prepping the slides for this that it was a fairly intense topic. So I just put in a cartoon lion to make you all feel at ease, right? That's a, um, that's a public speaking little tip for you. So just look at him and be like, I mean, lions are scary, but maybe that actually makes it worse. <laughs> Apologies if it does, right? Independence, first cause of anxiety. I, I, I think uh, if we're trying to fight our anxiety by ourselves, we'll continue to ask the question, what is wrong with me? And the reality is, is that often we can't see our own, our own blind spots. And, and in life, there are some things that, that we believe that make us anxious, that make us worried, that are just lies that need to be rejected. I want, I want you to take a moment and consider this statement. Is it possible that your greatest anxiety comes from a lie that you believe to be true? And if you shared that belief with someone else, would they be able to call it what it is? Right, as Penny spoke so well to last week, we are meant to be in community. And in community, we are called to carry each other's burdens, to care for each other's needs, to warn each other of sin, and to rejoice and mourn with each other. One of the, the biggest causes of anxiety is simply an incorrect view of ourselves. And a great solution is to live in healthy and loving community in which we can be encouraged in which we, we simply need to, to be helped to understand this is actually not who I am. I don't need to fixate on this. I don't need to obsess over this because this is simply not true. This is a lie that I've believed to be truth. And if I'm always the only one who is inputting into my life, then there is no one who can come alongside me and say, hey, that's actually not the truth. This thing that you are so worried about is actually not a real way of seeing the world. That's not to say that I don't validate how you're feeling. That's not to say that I'm not going to come alongside you. It's not going to say I'm going to tell you off and try and make you feel guilty and worried at the same time. But I'm going to come alongside you and I'm going to encourage you. And I'm going to help you to prize your fingers off of this lie, to let go of it, and to embrace the truth that God has over you. But we cannot do that on our own. The first cause of anxiety is independence. The second thing that we need to be aware of is is our intake, right? When we, whenever we feel anxious, it's a really good idea to check our intake. Philippians chapter four, verse eight says this, you'll do your best by filling your minds and meditating on things true, right? See previous point, on things true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious, the best, not the worst, the beautiful, not the ugly, things to praise, not things to curse, I think we need to be so aware of what we are filling our minds with of our, of our intake. I, I talked about this a few weeks ago, that there's a, a function on my phone, right, that tells me how much time I spend on my phone, which is really help, helpful. Uh, but, but it goes beyond that. It also tells me how much time I spend with different apps. And that can be confronting, right? Because I'm like, oh, yeah, I spend a bit of time on my phone, but, like, I've got the Bible on my phone. Uh, I've, I've got books on my phone. Like, I'm probably doing that. And then it's like, this is how much time you spend. And I'm like, TikTok. Who's been watching TikTok on my phone, right? It's goodness, what's going? Instagram, that's longer than it takes to post the church update on Instagram. How did that happen? I must have left my phone open, right? But, but there's this moment, I want to be aware of my intake. I want to be aware, what am I filling my mind with? Am I filling it with things true, with things noble, with things reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious? Or am I instead feeding it with things that, that make me feel worse? Because if I'm feeling anxious, often I need to ask myself, what am I putting in? The old adage goes, rubbish in, rubbish out, and it's true. 
And we talk a lot in church about personal devotion, about spending our own intimate personal time with God, about reading our Bibles, about praying, about having a Sabbath, about stopping, about resting, because it works. Right? If our lives are only relying on Sunday, I want to say Sundays are beautiful. Sundays should be esteemed and values, but Sunday will not be enough for you. Sunday is an us gathering. Sunday is something we do together to encourage one another. Sunday is something we do to honor and to worship God. But, but your quiet time every morning or every evening or wherever it might be, that's for you. That's you and God. So what's your intake? If you're feeding yourself with things that are rotting you from the inside, is it really a shock that you're feeling the way that you're feeling? But the good news is maybe you can change that. Is what you are putting into your mind, soul, and spirit causing you to be anxious? Is your intake comparison, worry, jealousy? What can you do about that? And, and then the, to continue that point, Philippians 4.8 doesn't just say that we need to be a world what we fill our minds with, but also what we, what we meditate on. Because the third thing that I find causes anxiety is we need to be aware of imbalance. What do we give weight to? Right? It's not just what we take in, but it's the weight that we give to the things that we take in. You might take in 10 positive things in a day and one negative thing, but if you spend the whole day thinking about that negative thing, it will disproportionately impact you. Right? Your, your, your little output on your phone might be good. You might be, no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm good with what I'm taking in, but maybe that one negative thing that you're taking in, you're, you're letting it rule your mind. It's playing over. And we've all had those conversations, haven't we? That one conversation at work or with a friend that doesn't go the way that you, you wanted it to go. And, and it's just on repeat again and again and again. And it's fine to look back. It's fine to think. But surely there comes a moment in which we go, hey, is replaying this for the 10th time this hour really going to change what happened or what will happen? But like, what is this achieving? Not giving too much weight to the wrong words or relationships. I want to say if everything is important, then nothing is. If everything is urgent, then nothing is. We have to choose what we value, what we choose to think about. And, and there is a stability, I believe, that comes when we know what is important and what isn't. And so if you're feeling anxious, maybe a question you can ask yourself is, what am I giving weight to? Maybe I don't need to think about that quite so much. I've thought about that enough. Does it really matter that much? So three causes, I, I hope that helps. Independence, intake, an imbalance. But again, to simply say, hey, this is what anxiety looks like, and maybe this is what causes anxiety, and leave it there, I feel like would be to, to do us a disservice. So what do we do next? Right? Because even in community, even mindful of what we're taking in, even mindful of what we're giving weight to, even in that place where we're maybe doing all of the things right to minimize the occurrence of anxiety in our life, the lion still roars. Yeah, anxiety is still real. There are moments in which we can feel overcome with, with anxiety and there's not really anything that we can change about, about how we live. But I want to say that peace, peace still works. I'm, I'm almost done, in fact, as, as maybe I get uh, the, the band to start to come up. A couple of really practical ideas. The first one is, is so practical, it's almost, it's almost something that we can just gloss over, but I think it's worth bringing to mind again. The first one, super practically, is when you're feeling anxious, however that looks for you, a great place to start before you do anything else is simply to take some deep breaths. Right? Think, think about it this way. Maybe you're thinking about something, maybe you're solving some problems, maybe you're trying to arrange life, understand what's going on. If you are entering into that sort of an activity, the last thing you want to do is to starve your brain of the oxygen it needs to function well. 
Right? If the lion is roaring, maybe the first thing that you need to do is just calm your body down so that you're not in that fight, flight, or freeze status, but you're able to actually engage your mind, engage your prefrontal cortex, and have some critical thought, assess some things, work through some things. And so simply stop, and it's really basic stuff, but it's incredibly helpful. Stop and breathe. And can I just suggest, however long you think you should breathe for, just like twice as long. <laughs> If you're like, yeah, two deep breaths will do me pretty good, maybe go for four. If you're like 100 deep breaths, I mean, 200 is a lot, but if that's what you need, right? But just stop and pause. And once you've given your brain some oxygen, once you've allowed your, your fight or flight to calm down a little, and it might take some time, so be patient with yourself, one really practical model that we can use is called the circles of control. I'll put it up behind me. The circles of control is, is, is quite simply, it works this way. Anxiety is often about trying to get a sense of control over things that might feel out of control, right? And, and, and often part of developing peace involves learning and committing to change the things that you can change, right? We are not victims to life. Life does not simply happen to us. We have agency and there are things that we can do and that is awesome and we can take responsibility for it and we can do them. That's amazing. Right, and so the first step is to go, hey, what can I do? What can I change? How can I take responsibility for that? How can I learn about that? How can I commit to do that? But the other step involved there is to, to realize it also involves surrendering to God the things that you can't control. Right, and, and this is where I think we have this distinct advantage. Circles of control is, is not a Christian concept, but, but outside of a Christian worldview, outside of a faith in God, all, all you've got is that, oh, well, there's things that you can do and then things you just have to leave up to the universe, which is a hard place to leave it because the universe isn't very nice. Right? But we have the, the privilege, we have the opportunity, we have the position of saying, hey, there are things that I can do and there are things that I have to give to God. And God is not the universe. God is knowable. God is personable. God loves me and God is for me. And so I can trust God with the things that I can give him. And so this, I think this is a great exercise to remind yourself when you're feeling overwhelmed, there are certain parts of your life that are within your control. Maybe it's your words, maybe it's aspects of your mood, maybe it's your thoughts, your self-care. There are things that are within your circle of control, actions you can take to develop peace. But there are also things that you can't control. That there are situations that you are in that are really difficult that, that you can't impact the outcome of. You can't change anything. You can't solve that problem. And so for those, we surrender to God. For those, we remind ourselves that, that He is bigger than any obstacle that we face. For those, we remind ourselves that He has good plans for our life, that, that He is the giver of peace. You know, earlier I, I referenced Philippians 4 verse 8. And you might recognize the the preceding verses, Philippians 4, verses 6 to 7 says this, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all that He has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Maybe some of us, we, we read that and we're like, yeah, awesome. But maybe some of us, we read that, and, and if we're honest, we roll our eyes. Or maybe some of us, we read that, and if we're honest, we wince because it brings to mind a, a very real moment in which you told someone about something that you were struggling with, something that was hard, something that was outside of your circle of, of control, and, and maybe their response was, oh, have you tried praying about it? 
which I'm sure was really well-intentioned, but, but maybe felt or came across dismissive and, and judgy and kind of like the situation was all your fault because you just hadn't been praying hard enough. And again, I wanna say, you know, nine times out of 10, when someone says that, I believe that they mean the best, but it can leave us in a place of, oh, cool, yeah, no, I'll just solve my problem by just praying a little longer. That'll, that'll fix things. And then we pray a little more and, and the situation is still the same. And so now we're feeling anxious about our situation and maybe anxious about the quality of our prayers. Like, am I doing this in the wrong way? Why is this not working for me? Is this a thing that is meant to work? But what is broken in me? Well, I wanna say that if that's the case, I'm really sorry because that's a misunderstanding of prayer. Prayer works, but that doesn't mean that prayer is a way of getting what we want through sheer force of will, right? God is not a genie. And it is not simply a case of convincing Him to do what we want. Sometimes in our life, prayers go unanswered and that hurts and we don't know why, but that doesn't mean that prayer doesn't work. See, we do ourselves a disservice if is in the result in response to unanswered prayer, in response to disappointment, in response to praying about something but still feeling anxious, we simply discard prayer. Because sometimes the, the way that prayer works is it's not simply a laundry list for God, but it's an opportunity to encounter the God of peace. Maybe in praying, I found in my life, sometimes God doesn't solve the situation that I want Him to solve, but He meets me in it. And he, He's with me in it. And I encounter His peace in it and I can receive from Him. And so today I wanna leave you, we've talked about maybe what we can do practically in our, in our mind. We've talked about things that we control, things that we can change. But ultimately the greatest gift I have for you is the things that we cannot do. And the way in those moments when the lion is roaring, we can approach God. And we can come to Him in prayer with the things that we cannot control, with our doubts and our uncertainties and our hurt, and we can lay them at His feet. And sometimes He'll solve the situation and that'll be amazing and we will celebrate with you. And sometimes the situation will stay the same and that will hurt and will be confusing and we will lament with you. But in either situation, we encounter a good God, the God of peace. Peter Gregg, who runs an organization called 24-7 Prayer, he's got a helpful mnemonic guide to, to how we pray. It's really helpful in that it's kind of the most memorable way to pray. Simply this, P-R-A-Y. Pause, rejoice, ask, and yield. Now, we could preach like a series of on this, but I, I want to simply unpack it in, in a minute. Pause. Be still. Slow down. It's interesting how ancient biblical wisdom aligns with what we know to be true for our bodies today. Breathe. Give your body space. Let your system settle. Feed your mind with oxygen. Recenter your scattered senses on the presence of God. And then rejoice. Take a moment to remind yourself of who God is. Remind yourself of His character, of His capacity, of His care, that He is not a genie and that is a good thing, that He is more, that He is powerful and loving, that, that He is with you, that He wants to meet with you. A great way to do this is maybe to, to pray a psalm aloud, take someone else's words and, and put them in your own mouth to remind yourself of the truth of who God is. And then ask, 
do bring your needs, do bring your worries, do bring your cares to God. Let Him know, vent if you need to, right? It doesn't need to be pretty looking asking. It can be mad asking. It can be telling God off, but just talk, whatever it looks like. Don't stop communicating. Not because God needs to know, He already knows, but because you need to tell Him. You need to know that you've told Him. You need to hear in your own words what is going on in your life and know that you have given it over to God and then finally end with yielding. Remind yourself that He's God and so you don't need to be. You couldn't be anyway. And He's here. Wait on Him. Don't just end with your laundry list and then hang up and be like, I'm done. But just, what if God's got something to say? What if God's got an impression He wants to give you? What if just sitting and waiting on God for a few moments longer would bring the peace that you are so desperately seeking? Give it back to Him. I think one of the hardest prayers to pray is, God, not my will, but yours be done. But I also think it's one of the most freeing. Right, to say, God, I don't know how this should work out. I know what I want to happen, but I don't know if that's the right thing. And so I give it back to you. I trust you. I've told you my concerns. I've let you know where I'm at. And so now it is in your hands. I'm not God. You are. And so I trust in your character. You know what I want. You know my heart's desires, but I give this back to you and we'll see what happens. See, church, I want to remind us, I want to encourage us that that anxiety doesn't have to rule us. That anxiety doesn't work, but that peace does. I hope I'm not spoiling the Lion King, but scar doesn't last. Right, the lion may roar, the enemy may prowl around looking to devour us, but we are not in a, in a battle that has not been decided. We are victorious. God has won the battle. The enemy has been defeated. We live in the almost but not yet. We live in the in the in-between of that, but that does not mean that it has not been completed. We might be in the middle of a struggle ourselves. It might feel like we haven't seen the victory, but God is still a victorious God. And so if we can remind ourselves in the middle of our struggle that God is above it all and that God is still God, then our situation can be transformed even if nothing changes. There are things we can do. I hope today you've been practically equipped that you realize that we can be in community that we can be mindful of what we take in, that, that we can be aware of what we give weight to, aware of what we can do and what we can't do, aware of what is in our circle of control and what we need to surrender to God. And that when the lion roars, we worship a God who shuts the mouths of lions, the God of the miraculous, the God of the breakthrough. And so for all that we can't do, we can pray. We can pause, we can rejoice, we can ask and we can yield. We can invite God to do what we can't and ask for His help in trusting Him and all the rest. So to finish today, what I'd like to do is I'd like to pray for us, to pray for all of us. Like I said, I believe we all struggle, we all face anxiety in some way, shape or form. That we would leave here better knowing, more aware, more fully experiencing the God of peace. And then what I would ask for you to do to hopefully practically equip you is to take this opportunity to pray. Take the opportunity as the band leads us in a song to pause, to rejoice, to ask, and to yield. To start to develop a, a system, a habit, a way of coming to God that you will carry into your week. And if you're here today and, and you feel like you can't for whatever reason, Maybe as soon as you pause, you start to feel overwhelmed. Whatever might be going on, I wanna say just like every Sunday, but this Sunday in particular, the altar is open.
Sometimes in the middle of our anxiety, sometimes in the middle of our fear, what we need most is just simply someone to come alongside us and to pray the words that we feel we can't. To come alongside us and to encourage us, to come alongside us and to break that independence, to come alongside us and to intercede for us. And so there's gonna be a team down here who would love to pray for you. If the lion is roaring today and you need a community to stand and pray with you, we'd love to do that. Church, can you stand to your feet? As you bow your heads, as you close your eyes, I'd love to pray a prayer over you. Then the band's gonna lead us and the altar is open. I really believe that there are some people here today who need to come to the front, who need to put down their independence and embrace the fact that we live in a community who stands with us. His heads are bowed, his eyes are closed. Let me pray. God, we thank you this morning that you are a God of peace. God, and today we come to you with, with our worries and with our joys, with our, our triumphs and with our tri- uh, troubles. God, if we are in the room or if we're online, however we come to you today, God, we come to you, we bring them to you. God, where we are, where we are anxious, God, would, would you bring peace? God, would you bring perspective? Would you bring hope? God, where the lion is roaring, where we feel ourselves trapped in that space of anxiety, would we be able to remind ourselves, would you remind us, would your spirit remind us that you are the God who shuts the mouths of the lion? God, even in this moment, I just pray for those of us here today who just feel anxiety overwhelming, that lion roaring. God, I pray that they will come to the front, but even in this moment before they do, God, we just pray that that lion would stop. God, we pray for your peace that surpasses understanding as we do what we can, as we give you what we can't, that you would come. God, that you are the God of peace. Help us to trust you. Would your presence be with us and in us? In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Check out our website at equipuschurch.com forward slash Christchurch. 